Welcome to Sports History 101, a production of the Saints Sports Network. Hello, everyone. This is Sports History 101, and I am Ray Delgado. Thanks for taking some time out of your day today to listen to the podcast. We took a bit of a break from making episodes, but we're back, and with a pretty compelling subject for our restart, in my opinion. The NBA playoffs are currently underway, so I figured some basketball talk would be prudent. So today, I'll be talking about the Seattle Supersonics' relocation to Oklahoma City, and how that whole situation played itself out. I won't be going through the whole history of the team. I'll likely save that for another time when I do a a nice big long explanation of how the team started and all that stuff. But this time around, well, it will just be about the untimely end of a absolutely beloved professional basketball team in the city of Seattle, Washington. The Seattle Supersonics were established in 1967 in the NBA, which is the National Basketball Association, for those who don't know, and were the oldest major professional sports team in the city uh, until they would leave at city that housed the Seahawks of the NFL, Mariners of the MLB, the Storm of the WNBA, and the Sounders of the MLS. And then also, if you'd like to include, which I would, because I think they're kind of cool, the Kraken of the NHL, but they haven't even started play yet and obviously weren't there when the Supersonics were, but Needless to say, they were the oldest team there, steeped in history. Very big deal. From the get-go, really, the team was always pretty competitive. Uh, in their first decade of existence, they made two playoff appearances, which may not sound great, but for a brand new team, that's pretty good. Their second playoff trip was in the 1977-78 season, and they did pretty well, went pretty far in. And then in 78-79 season, the next year, they actually won the NBA title, which for a team that's only 12 years old, you know, that's, that's a pretty big deal. That's pretty good success there. And from that point forward, let's say for the next 20 years or so, they were pretty much a perennial playoff team. They made it a lot more often than not. So fast forwarding to the 1990s, they were pretty good, and like I said, not going to give you the whole history, the whole background of the team, so we're fast-forwarding about 20 years. They are pretty good in the 90s, and they had players that they drafted like Gary Payton and other guys like Sean Kemp and Detlef Schrempf. If you've ever seen the show Parks and Recreation, Detlef Schrempf that they have on that show in an episode, same guy. Not that you probably would imagine that there's another guy named Detlef Schrempf that played in the NBA, but... Needless to say, same guy. So that was the 90s. They were pretty successful. They actually made it to the, the finals in the mid-90s and actually lost to the Michael Jordan's Bulls. In the 2000s, there were some problems. And they really started late in the 90s. Team performance really wasn't there. And in the early 2000s, it was just as bad, which prompted the sale of the team to a guy named Howard Schultz who was actually the founder of Starbucks. Starbucks was founded in Seattle, in case you didn't know. And he bought the team in 2001 for, I believe it was $200 million. Which, <laughs> if you're trying to buy any kind of professional team now, $200, you'd 
pay that in a heartbeat. Back then, that was a lot of money. And for, obviously, the layman, the average person, $200 million is a ridiculous amount of money. But for the people that can afford to buy sports teams, it's really not that much. But anyway, off topic. Schultz had high hopes to be able to turn the franchise around. And it didn't quite go so well. The team didn't have great results. Like I said, late 90s, early 2000s did not have great results. And once he bought the team, they continued to not have that fantastic of seasons. So because of that, the team was bottom third in attendance. They hovered around like the 20th best or 20th worst, I guess, team uh, in terms of average attendance for the season. And with that, if you have poor attendance, that means you're not making that much money off of tickets, which means you can't spend money on players which means you have a bad team again. So it's just kind of this circle that is very hard to break from, and Howard Schultz learned that the hard way, unfortunately. Nevertheless, the Sonics were absolutely beloved by the city of Seattle, and they had a die-hard fan base that was head over heels in love with the team, basically. It doesn't matter how bad they were. They were. They loved them, no doubt about it. The biggest issue for everybody, though, fans, the players, the franchise itself, any of that, was the arena, was Key Arena. It was old, and I believe it was renovated in 1995, but they didn't do a great job, apparently, and overall, it sucked, is what is what the impression that I get. It was old, needed another renovation, but the city would not help with the funds. And Schultz wouldn't put up all of his own money. This was a time when in their early in well in the 90s, 2000s, early 2000s, cities were really excited to get professional sports teams. And that was that's always been true. But so much so that instead of the teams themselves having to buy the land and pay for building their stadium cities started to pitch in to be able to bring teams there. So that was how Schultz wanted to also operate was the city helps build the team a new arena, but the city did not agree. They did not want to do that. And they negotiated for two years for this and were at a stalemate. And really, well, stalemate, they got nowhere. They just locked horns and that was it. So Due to the lack of success, loss of money, city's unwillingness to renovate the arena, Schultz decided to sell the team. But with some caveats, he was not just going to sell it to anybody. He would only sell the team to a group that would keep the franchise, the Supersonics, in Seattle. He knew how much the team meant to the city and how loyal everybody was to the franchise. And that was a big deal for him. And he wanted to make sure that if he sold the team, it would stay in Seattle. He didn't want to get rid of the team. He just couldn't afford it anymore and wanted to make sure that one of the oldest things, one of the most cherished things in Seattle, in terms of sports at least, was going to stay there. So with that, we'll take a quick break. We left off with Howard Schultz deciding to sell the Seattle Supersonics. The goal was to sell the team, like I mentioned, to a local buyer, as that usually makes more sense 
because teams usually want to, or owners usually want to sell the team to someone nearby so that, you know, fans don't get bad and the team doesn't have to move and they aren't, their memory isn't sullied forever. But the suitors weren't there. They were there from elsewhere, from groups in Kansas City and San Jose, California. They wanted to buy the team, but they said up front they wanted to move them. And Schultz said no. He refused to sell the team to anyone who was going to move it, or at least openly said they were going to move it. At, at the end, if, you know, way down the line, some disagreement with the city, some thing whatever that was out of his control but in the, in the short term he would not sell to anyone who was going to move the team made that very clear and turned down pretty lucrative offers to like i said groups from kansas city and san jose that would give him a bunch of money to move the team he said no enter clay bennett aubrey mcclendon and tom ward three members of an oklahoma city group wanting to buy the Sonics. Notice I did not say Seattle group. It's Oklahoma City group. They wanted to buy the Sonics as well as the Seattle Storm, the WNBA team, as Schultz owned them as well. I kind of glossed over that. I apologize. The Howard Schultz owned both the Storm and the Sonics, but Storm don't play a huge part in this story because if you look at the WNBA standings right now, they are still in Seattle. Whereas, well, I guess I won't ruin it, even though the, the title already ruined it. But anyway, the team sold to Bennett, McClendon, and Ward on July 18th, 2006 for $350 million. So, bought the team in 2001 for $200 million. That was Schultz. And five years later, sold it for $350 million. You'd think that'd be good, but he lost quite a bit of money in between and lost money on the sale too, just because he was trying to, in good faith, keep the team in the city. In the introductory press conference, Bennett, who was the, I guess, lead investor, I forget exactly, the, the operating partner, I believe you could probably call him, in his introductory press conference, he said, quote, it is not our intention to move or relocate the teams, teams being plural, so that at this time, Sonics and Storm, as long, of course, as we are able to negotiate a successor venue to the current basketball arena and arrangements to ensure the Sonics and Storm can succeed. So it's not really that great off the bat. You can tell that they're pretty hesitant still. So the group set a 12-month deadline to negotiate with the city on an arena lease, on being able to renovate the arena or get out of their arena lease if another one was built or anything like that. And they were asked by the press what would happen if no agreement were to come. And they said, quote, if we weren't able to find a successor facility and relative lease by then, we have the option contractually to dot, 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 evaluate our position. So right off the bat, huge red flag. 
they're saying 12 months. If nothing happens in 12 months, we will dot, 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 evaluate our position, which time will tell exactly what, what they meant by that. But, I mean, even if you're a Sonics fan at the time, that sounds pretty concerning. So we fast forward a little bit, three months later, on October 25th, the NBA approves the sale. It all goes through about six, I believe it was six or seven days before the season actually starts. So the season starts ready to go. And Bennett and co start to try to find a new arena fund, new arena funding. On February 13, 2007, so this is now the next year, Bennett wants to build a $530 million arena in Renton, R-E-N-T-O-N, Washington, which is a city nearby to Seattle. And he'd already been in talks with the city, and they had agreed that, you know, that was a possibility. But they wanted, not the city, but Seattle Supersonics, wanted $300 million in taxpayer money, excuse me, to help fund it. The city responded with a resounding no. So they're going through that. They're doing their due diligence, this group is, at least. And um, it seems like they're legitimately trying to keep the Sonics in Seattle until in August of 2007. One of the Sonics' new co-owners, Aubrey McClendon, one of the, the three owners, outright tells an Oklahoma newspaper that, quote, we didn't buy the team to keep it in Seattle. We hoped to come here. Here being Oklahoma City. That started the dominoes falling, letting everyone know the owner's intentions. I mean, it's pretty clear there. There's no wiggle room. And a month later, the City Council of Seattle unanimously passed a bill to keep the Sonics to the full term of their arena lease through 2010, basically binding them to that arena because, I mean, they were threatened, more or less threatened, that the Sonics were going to leave, if not. So they bound them to their lease because they signed, a, they signed, I think it was a 20, I think it was 25 years because I think the Sonics signed their original stadium lease in 95 and the city now was saying you have to fulfill the entire length of that contract. Then legal stuff came around. Bennett tries to get out of the lease. The city then tries to hold him to it. There's motions filed in court. There's counter motions and all that stuff. I don't think that's actually a legal term, a counter motion, but we'll go with it. Meanwhile, the NBA commissioner, David Stern, he starts talking. And he says things like, no heart whatsoever for assisting a Sonics team in getting an arena. When talking about the city of Seattle, they had no heart. They weren't even going to try. Another one, quote, if the Sonics do move, that'd be too bad because the NBA would be very unlikely to have a team in Seattle again, end quote. So it seems like pretty clear that the NBA is fully on board with Bennett and his ownership group, and Seattle is getting the short end of the stick. But even shortly before that converse, or those conversations, those interviews that David Stern gave, Bennett had told Stern that his group 
intended to move the Sonics to Oklahoma City. So it was already in the works, not necessarily in moving the team, but the talks were already happening. Lost in most of this was the storm, the Seattle storm, just like how I unfortunately forgot to mention them in the the beginning as part of the ownership group or part of what the ownership group bought. The storm might have to leave as well, but they wanted to stay in Seattle just like the Sonics did. But their story ended differently as in January on January 8th, 2008, a group of Seattle businesswomen purchased the storm and kept them in Seattle. So their story ends happily. They got to stay in Seattle and they still play there to this day. And they're actually one of the most successful franchises in the WNBA historically. So moving on to a month later in February, Bennett and company make another attempt to get out of their stadium lease. So they make a $26.5 million offer to buy out the key arena lease to the city, which would, in essence, allow the team to leave whenever they wanted because they were no longer bound to their arena. And the city says, absolutely not. Outright rejects another offer once again because before it was a matter of money, trying to find funding and all of that. And now they know, or they knew, I should say, that they were trying to leave. So if they were to grant them that, they would just leave, up and leave, without any any other words. A group of three owners then met in March in Oklahoma City, so not the Sonics owners, but a group of three owners from the NBA met in March in Oklahoma City because Oklahoma City really wanted a team. They had hosted, actually, the... Hornets because of Hurricane Katrina for, I believe it was two years, actually. They hosted the Hornets in Oklahoma City because Hurricane Katrina had destroyed their arena and they had nowhere to go. And they Oklahoma City was already trying to get a team before then. And then once they had the Hornets there, they realized, or not sure they realized, but they had an even stronger case that NBA basketball could be played there. So a group of owners, like I said, went to OKC to listen to their pitch. And they were wholly convinced. Like they were head over heels in love with it. They thought it was fantastic. And they made a recommendation to the NBA that the Sounders should move there. What I think is really unfortunate in all of this is the team is playing games during all of this while all of this is happening. In front of 16,272 fans in Key Arena, the Seattle Supersonics defeated the Dallas Mavericks 99-95 to in their last regular season game of the 2007-2008 season. The season that from start to finish was marred by whether they're moving or not. And that game would turn out to be their last game in Seattle. It wasn't just the last game of that season. It was the last game they ever played in Seattle. And on April 18th, 2008, by a vote of 28-2, to the NBA owners approved the move of the Seattle Supersonics to Oklahoma City. One thing that I find interesting is two owners voted against it, one of those being Portland, 
the Portland owner, which I understand because it's another small market and Pacific Northwest. It's, you have to, I guess, represent the region because otherwise they're left there by themselves. The other was the Dallas Mavericks, was Mark Cuban who voted against it. I couldn't find exactly why, but I found that interesting. Uh, And I think he, I can't say for certain, but I feel like he would probably feel like the fan base or the city was having the franchise ripped away from them, which they were. So April 18th, 2008, Seattle Supersonics were cleared by the NBA to make their move. And that takes us to our second break. After the season ends, more court proceedings get going. Schultz, the former owner, floats that he may sue to try and cancel the sale to Bennett and get the team back to sell to a local group. He doesn't necessarily want the team back himself, but he wants to negate the sale that he made and then sell them to a group that's going to keep the team in Seattle which there actually was one this time. This came days before the Seattle lawyers found emails that Bennett and his owners talked about moving the team to Oklahoma City while they were telling fans they were for sure staying in Seattle. The city then tried to put together a group of locals to, or a local group, I should say, of investors to fund a key arena remodel, but that ran into issues too. Schultz ended up having to drop his lawsuit after the city of Oklahoma City threatens to sue him if the Sonics don't move. So basically, the Oklahoma City said, if you sue and get the team back, and then sell to a team, sell to a group that will keep it in Seattle. We're going to sell. We're going to sue you. Excuse me, sue you, because they didn't move to Oklahoma City. So Schultz was like, "Well, I mean, I guess I'll just drop drop my lawsuit then, because I don't want to deal with that." The team, meanwhile, was by no means acting in good faith. That was one of the things that they tried to convince everybody they kept pushing and kept saying was that they acted in good faith like they said they would. Good faith meaning that they would try their hardest and with sincere intent to try to keep the team in Seattle. Try and make it work. Try and work with the city. Work with trying to get a new arena. Work with the fan base. All that stuff. But they weren't doing that. And one of the ways they weren't doing that was obviously emailing back and forth saying while they're telling the fans, oh yeah, we love you, we'd love to stay here, that we're for sure moving. But another way was they actually limited the exposure of their players. They denied media access to radio interviews. And radio interviews, as much as you might think that's not a big deal right now, like that's huge. That's a lot of exposure that the team's not getting. And through doing that, they were essentially trying to minimize the interest in the team and make the move easier, because if people don't care, they don't care if you go. On June 15th of 2008, around 3,000 people 
including former players like Gary Payton, who was big, and Xavier McDaniel, attended a Save Our Sonics rally outside of the federal courthouse where the trial between the team and the city of Seattle was taking place. It was a six-day trial, and it was set to begin to determine if the Sonics would move or stay in Seattle for two more years. This obviously couldn't confirm or mandate that the team stay in Seattle forever, but this was to determine whether they could move right now or had to stay for the last two years of their stadium lease. While the trial was going on, on the witness stand, Bennett said that he genuinely wanted to find an arena solution in Seattle. But that was obviously untrue, given the prior emails that I told you about, that they from day one they were saying, yeah, we're, we're going to Oklahoma City, there's no chance. But Bennett also somehow found an economics professor that testified in court, in federal court, that a professional sports team has zero impact on a region. Zero impact on a region financially, which is just stupid. On the face of it, if you just think about that, anybody, there's that doesn't make any sense at all. And the city of Seattle, on their part, had a professional economist on the stand as well later and he said that the financial impact was almost 200 million dollars a year that the sonics brought to the city of seattle and somehow bennett found this ridiculous <laughs> economist that was saying that yeah they they don't account for anything i mean if they're there they're not there it doesn't make any difference at all which how how he could even say that with a straight face, that economist, I have no idea. So after six days of court, an email from the state of Washington, their senator called Slade Gorton, to prospective local owners, one of them being Steve Ballmer, the CEO of Microsoft, uh, there's an email from Slade Gorton to local owners, including Steve Ballmer, a group that could potentially get the team if it was given back to Schultz, he would then sell the team to them. And in that email that Gorton, the senator, sent, it outlined a meeting that Gorton had had with officials. I believe it was NBA officials. And he signed a confidentiality agreement to not talk about that meeting and then immediately emailed this prospective ownership group in Seattle about what was going on in the meeting. So he broke that immediately. Gordon's goal was to try to force Bennett to sell the team, but he was caught breaking the rules of that confidentiality agreement pretty blatantly. Like that's, there's no way around that. So on July 2nd, 2008, just minutes before the judge was going to give her verdict on whether the Sonics were allowed to leave right away or had to stay for two more years, the city of Seattle and the Bennett Ownership Group agreed to a settlement. 
which allowed Bennett to immediately begin making his arrangements to move the Seattle Supersonics to Oklahoma City. Very disappointing and the end of an era. Unfortunately, neither side had their hands clean. Obviously, as just pointed out, the Washington senator was uh, trying his hardest. I mean, you got to give him some credit, but you can't break rules. You can't break laws in the way you can't break confidentiality agreements and all that. So neither side had their hands clean, but there was one that was obviously much more at fault here. And that was certainly not the city of Seattle. So the 2007-2008 season was the Supersonics' last year of existence as the team moved to Oklahoma City and became the Thunder the next year, with Seattle retaining the Supersonics' naming rights for a potential future team because that was one of the things that they were trying to ensure once the team, once they settled, was to make sure that they retained any all of the rights and the history to the Supersonics so that when, not if, they believe when they get a team again, they'll be able to pick up right where they left off with that. That 2007-2008 team had a promising future. As in the 2007 draft, they selected someone you might know, you might recognize uh, if you've ever watched or heard anything about the NBA, Kevin Durant as the second overall pick. They also, well, they had Ray Allen, which was big, but they also acquired Jeff Green in a trade with the Celtics. They sent Ray Allen to the Celtics, and they got three or four guys. But Jeff Green, big name, important guy. He's been on some very good teams, and he's playing in the playoffs currently, along with Kevin Durant, actually. For the 2007-2008 season, wow, getting tongue-tied there. The team went 20 and 62. So not a good season, but they weren't a good team and they were trying to accumulate draft picks. They weren't do, they weren't losing on purpose, but they were trying to accumulate draft picks to get good players and then you get better. So that 20 and 62 record earned them the fourth pick in the draft with which they selected Russell Westbrook, another good player. I'm not a fan of him myself, but the guy's a walking triple-double, which means if you don't know what a triple-double is, you get you score, put up double digits, so 10 or more in three different counting stats. So usually it's points, rebounds, and assists, but it can be other things. Usually the fourth one is maybe blocks for some. But they draft Russell Westbrook. The next season, their first in Oklahoma City, they won just the team won just 23 games, which very well could have done the exact same thing in Seattle. And they drafted James Harden out of Arizona State. So, to put it together for you, those Thunder teams, the Oklahoma City Thunder teams from like 2009 to 2014 that were really good, that played great basketball, made it to the playoffs basically every year to conference finals and finals. They never won one, but very good team. They could have very easily been in Seattle. Could have very easily have been the Seattle Supersonics because they were the Supersonics still. All of that, most of that roster was the Supersonics that Oklahoma City got to take credit for. 
Oklahoma City draft benefited from the Seattle front office drafting really well and only needing a, to add a couple more pieces and make the team competitive. And they were competitive for five, six, seven years, like very competitive. So, I mean, but what can you do? So to this day, the city of Seattle laments the loss of the Supersonics. And since they left, they've been vying for an expansion franchise to revive the Supersonics. There has not been any expansion since then. But it boils down to the issue with American sports. And there's a lot of issues with all kinds of sports around the world. But it's always about what the owner wants. And that's always really unfortunate because the owner oftentimes does not reflect the city in which they own the team. That's not something that they really care about most of the time. They care about making their money. They care about doing what they want to do. And that's what happened in Seattle is the owners did what they wanted to do. Oklahoma City is not a bigger market than Seattle. And they, the Thunder may have pretty decent attendance and that, but it was literally just because they were from Oklahoma and that's where they wanted to go back to. They wanted to have a, a team in their home city. And I mean, that's the reason why Schultz didn't want to sell to an out of town group, but he had no choice. And the group did not listen to the fan base at all. And that happens all the time. And it's just very, very unfortunate but I will get off my soapbox and end this for you. But anyway, the Supersonics are a part of NBA history. And if the NBA does expand, like they are hinting to right now because of financial losses due to the pandemic, Seattle had better be the top of the list. If they're not the top of the list, I mean, if you're going to add two teams, you got to add like Seattle and probably Vegas because everyone's going to Vegas now. But we shall see. And that brings us to the end of this episode. So I really do appreciate you listening thus far. And hopefully you stick around for a few more episodes. If you haven't listened to the prior ones, I would highly suggest you do so. But, you know, I am biased. So do what you will. But until that, until next time, listeners, stay safe and remember that Jesus loves you. Thanks for listening. Check out more content from the Saint Sports Network at saintsportsnetwork.home.blog.